Hello and welcome to week six, I think, of the Line of Scrimmage podcast. Thanks so much to Perry for filling in last week when I was out of town. My name is Tim Allenball, and we are presented by Tomahawk Nation. Over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're going to line it up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. Currently, the Seminoles sit 5-0 and after Trey Benson ran wild on the Virginia Tech Hokies. Up next, the Seminoles are going to host the Syracuse Orange this Saturday in a nooner. So to help us get to know the orange better, we have Christian de Guzman with SB Nation's Noons Magician. I think I said it right. Christian, thanks so much for jumping on with us. In typical Syracuse fashion, if you were going to name a blog site something, you choose a random broadcast clip from all the way back in the late 1990s because that's what Syracuse is known for. Yeah, I remember last year I, I went and like Googled it and I was like, why in the world and who is Troy Noons? What is going on? So uh Good stuff. Uh, if like SB Nation just has a crazy collection of, of names, like uh, I think Wake is blogger so dear, yes, and just other stuff like that. So uh, Christian, excited to be talking about Syracuse. Uh, excited to be talking about Syracuse's head coach Dino Babers, one of my favorite. Uh, I think I, I mentioned to you earlier when we were chatting. Uh, I could start my day every day with the Virginia Tech locker room speech, uh, like. And just listen to Dino just inspire me to get out of bed each day because because they don't know my heart. But uh <laughs> but Dino does. But anyways, uh four and two on the season, seven and six record last year. How did how's the overall feelings up in Syracuse with Coach Babers uh leading leading the orange? Are you happy overall with where he has the program? The the honest question the honest answer to this question is check back with me in a month. Because <laughs> Because if if Dino cannot turn this what was a four and start into a bull appearance at the very minimum, the the answer to my question is going to change very drastically. Right now, um, and I believe it was ESPN's Adam Rittenberg who po- did a post on this on ESPN.com earlier today. Um, he had Dino as one of his coaches on the hot seat that was cooling down, and that was mainly because of the four and start. But when you look at uh, the Syracuse schedule where it is right now. This is what everyone has called, and even the uh, guys on the team have called the gauntlet, because Syracuse is coming off back-to-back weeks to back weeks of playing Clemson, UNC, and now ending it off with FSU before their bye week. But then after the FSU and the bye week, the schedule gets significantly easier because it's Virginia Tech, Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest. And so the quality of opponents at the back half of the schedule is certainly not Clemson, UNC, and FSU. And while Syracuse hasn't looked good in the last two weeks against Clemson and UNC, it's Clemson and UNC. Right. So right now the mood is not great just because Syracuse hasn't looked good in the last two games for its first two losses of the season. But that's a lot because fans' recency bias, you know, that's going to be a fandom anywhere. So if you check back with me in a month and Syracuse has won at least one of the Virginia Tech or Boston College games, this year, I, I still think it's a pretty good because when you think about where Syracuse has been in the past, Syracuse could be on its way to a second straight bowl appearance given the quote-unquote strength of schedule in the back half of the season. And to go back-to-back in bowl appearances, especially after the stretch during the late 2010s, where it was just under 500 record after under 500 record. That's something I think a lot of fans would be satisfied with. 
You know, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't looked at Syracuse's schedule, but I mean, let, let's say they go out and lose the Florida State and they're four and three. They could still run that back part of their schedule and end the season at nine and three. I, I think that's very reasonable uh, against those opponents. So that that's that's a that's interesting. Florida State's opponent schedule has been wild this year with people being either four and zero or like one and four. So it's it's it's, it's it would be nice to have somebody have a great record at the end of the season. And Syracuse definitely has that opportunity. It looks like. Um, let's start out on offense. Uh, you know, if we go to last year's uh, game, Garrett Schrader struggled against against Florida State in that one. But two years ago was really the Garrett Schrader coming out party. Uh, 137 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Uh, he just shredded Florida State, and, and Florida State barely, I think, had a game-winning field goal to pull that one off. This year he ran wild against Purdue. Uh, pulling off some amazing fakes, by the way. I saw a couple of those. But overall, I would say at least on the ground, he's been he's been kind of contained. And then Clemson kind of banged him up a little bit last week. Where do you feel Garrett Schrader has improved this season? And, and where do you feel like he still has struggles? Um, this is a weird question to answer because much like what I said previously about Babers, if you asked me this question two weeks ago, my answer would have been completely different. Because in the first four games of the season when Syracuse was winning, this was a completely different Garrett Schrader. It was a Schrader that seemed like he had confidence in terms of not just throwing the ball, but like you mentioned, him running the ball and decision-making. But the last couple of games have kind of been puzzling because it's kind of been a regression back to the mean for Schrader in terms of his abilities, especially against Clemson and especially against UNC. What we saw in the last game for Syracuse is Schrader really struggle with uh, decision making in the option, which is what you would expect from this Syracuse offense is a lot of option running um, in order to generate ground offense. And against UNC, there was a lot of Puzzling options, at least at first glance, and even with Monday morning quarterback hindsight, um, even more puzzling decisions at second glance. So it's tough to figure out where Schrader is right now, especially is because we don't know if it's level of competition that is the reason he struggled over the past couple of games, or if it's a worrying trend that we'll have to work on, especially um, towards that winnable back half of the schedule okay um so you mentioned that you mentioned the ground game there and how florida state or not florida state, how syracuse likes to to use the option there uh to really generate the ground game sean tucker is gone but clint allen's in his place averaging a little bit over four and a half uh carries per season what can florida state fans expect from allen is he a, is he a big bruising type running back is he a one of the scat backs that's you know gets skinny in in the line uh what can uh what will what will fans see on Saturday? Uh so classic uh football fans, um, and I'm probably gonna age myself here of being of the younger football elk, uh, but classic football fans will recognize this comparison because Dino Babers has used this throughout the entire year. And even last year when Allen was up and coming as the number two running back on the depth chart, Dino Babers has always compared LaQuint Allen to Marcus Allen all the way back with the Raiders, all the way back in the 1980s. And if you know Marcus Allen's play style, it's pretty much the same thing. So this is a LaQuint Allen who is also very explosive once he comes into space. He's not going to be necessarily the same bruising type of running back that Sean Tucker was, but you get LaQuint Allen to open space, he'll make you pay. Um, 
that's been easier said than done for Syracuse, especially as of late. But Allen, it's also important to note that Allen is wearing the number one jersey. And Dino Babers doesn't give that out willingly. I believe Allen is only the second or third player during uh, Dino's stint as Syracuse head coach. He's in his eighth year now to wear the number one jersey. So, and he gives that jersey out specifically to players who are very, very special on the field. And for him to get the honor of getting that jersey at the beginning of the season shows you how indicative he is, uh, how indicative Coach Baber is of how he thinks of LeQuint Allen's talent. Um, And while he hasn't necessarily had the numbers to back it up over the past couple of games, he certainly, by the eye test, looks like he should be getting more yards than he has. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been impressed by some of the stuff that I've seen on film from him. Uh, like you said, when he gets in the open field, he's, he's almost a totally different back for sure. Um, as far as receiving, Schrader's done a really good job of, of spreading the ball around this season. Uh, eight players have caught at least six passes. Uh, so with that much variety, who are the names to really know uh, as far as wide receivers and tight ends? And, and has this group taken a step back since uh, Aronde Gadsden's injury? You really only need to focus on one thing, and that's the last thing you said. Rondé Gadsden's out for the season with a uh, Liz Frank injury that he got surgery on. Um, and uh, that was uh, Gadsden was going to be the number one option. Um, he was Trader's number one option last year, went down during the second play of the second game of the season, limped off. And unfortunately, he's out for the rest of the season. And ever since that, Syracuse's wide receiver production has taken a massive tumble down the mountain not just the hill it's a massive fall off a mountain and it's more the receptions might be uh deceiving about the variety more so about the also about the yardage and the frequency of the receptions as well this is a Syracuse team that is still looking for a receiver to step up and fill the void for Aranda Gadsden the three wide receivers that you're going to see are Damian Alford, Donovan Brown, and Umari Hatcher. Alford, Hatcher will be Alford and Hatcher will be on the outside, and Brown will be in the slot. And you'll maybe see uh, converted quarterback Dan Valari um, make an appearance at tight end as well, making a couple of catches. That being said, none of those receivers have shown the consistency to make catches. Um, that's in the same way that a Ronda Gadsden hat. And so you couple that with Schrader's regression. Um, one of the big things that Schrader struggles with is accuracy, particularly sideline accuracy. And it's one thing for him to try and make a pass. If it's even in the area of the receiver in the first place, it's another question if the receiver is actually going to catch said pass. The Purdue game that you mentioned earlier, Syracuse probably should have won that by a lot more because of a lot of wide receiver drops. And that was the first game that Gadsden was out. So right now, it's it's really a toss-up of whether the Syracuse passing game is going to show up or not, just because the wide receiver quality has just not been there this year. And that's been one of the weak points that Syracuse fans probably would have hoped not to have been a weak point this year, but the Gadsden injury has really slowed that down. The other, The only one other name that may make an appearance is Isaiah Jones. Um, who has also been dealing with an injury and was the guy who was expected to take Gadsden's place. But he has also been in and out of the lineup due to injury. 
um, made a, only a couple of snaps last week against UNC. And we're not sure if he's back up to full strength. Yeah, the dreaded Liz Frank injury. Florida State fans are probably familiar with that with Brandon Jennings several years back. Yeah. Getting that injury. I, I read way too much about Liz Frank injuries and how it's named after soldiers getting stepped on by horses <laughs> no. and crazy stuff. Uh, last question on offense. Uh, if I read correctly, Schrader's already been sacked 14 times this season, and the offensive line has suffered its fair share of injuries. Uh, David Wollaball's out for the season. I was reading that, if I'm saying it right, Callan Ellis is, is Ellis. Off, Kalen Ellis is off the depth chart. Uh, what are your thoughts on the big guys up front? This was, I am known in the new tradition circle as the eternal pessimist. <laughs> and even with that easy back half of the schedule, I still predicted a six and six record from the Syracuse team. And my big concern at the time was the offensive line. And that is still a concern, even though it seems like based on the quality of the teams now, that back half of the, half of the schedule is much more winnable than we initially thought. But and that still doesn't change the fact that this offensive line is absolutely in shambles in terms of quality injury bodies available. So many people left last year due to graduation. The starting left tackle, Matthew Bergeron, is now playing the starting left guard role for the Atlanta Falcons. You had two other starters in Dakota Davis and Carlos Federello also graduate. And so now you're left with a really ragtag line that kind of got put up together. Like you said, David Wallabaugh out for the season due to injury. Kalen Ellis, one of the only returning starters from last year, has been in and out due to injury, and now it looks like he's out for the foreseeable future due to said injury. A transfer from Richmond, Joe Moore, um, who was expected to start somewhere on the right side, whether it be at guard or tackle, has only really played his first snaps of the season last week against UNC. Um and so the only two really consistent guys who have been there on the line, and you could say two and a half guys, have been John Ray Reed, a transfer center from a community college, Enrique Cruz, who was a backup last year but is now full-time starting, and Chris Bleich, the transfer from Florida, who was dealing with injury problems all the way in his college career and just hasn't really impressed in his couple of games. So this is a line that, not only is banged up, bruised up, but is really, really porous. And this is easily the weakest part of the Syracuse team. Um, and Jared Verse will have a fun time deciding where he wants to line up. Because wherever he decides to line up, he's probably going to get something done. That's uh, it's Jared Verse got his name against... Syracuse when he was at Albany, so uh, maybe this would be another big breakout Indeed. game. And, and if and if uh, Florida State fans remember, he was deciding between Florida State and Syracuse. <laughs> it's uh, oh, how things would have been different if that had shaked out a little bit differently. There, I, I got to tell you, as, as a Florida State fan, offensive line injuries, lack of depth, and it just it just destroys the entire offense and it just makes it so hard to do anything. You'll like this because one of the most notable things that came out from Dino's weekly press conference this week is talking about NIL and the transfer portal about how much that has affected Syracuse's uh, abilities to gain depth. Um, and while that is definitely a concern, I mean, you can't really not uh, blame that all on just, you know, all the injuries that have been suffered, all of the in inconsistent quarterback play that has happened. And 
maybe you can blame that on some of the wide receiver production as well. But that is something that I'm pretty sure will be discussed much on the ABC broadcast when uh, this game airs. Well, I'll stop torturing you with the offensive line. Let's let's jump over to defense. Uh, first four games, the, the Orange defense, they held up pretty well before uh, allowing 31 to Clemson and 40 to North Carolina, which you mentioned was the gauntlet part uh, of this of this schedule. Would you put that just as a step up in competition, or do you feel like the defense has taken a step back in, in general? Um, it's definitely a mix of both, but more so step up in competition than step yeah. back. There has definitely been a step back in terms of the performance from the defense, but it's also due to the level of competition that they have faced. Um, but the defense, like you mentioned, really, really impressed through the first four games of the season. Yes, not against the best quality of opponents. You're talking Colgate, Western Michigan, Army as the three group of five FCS non-conference opponents, and then a Purdue team that is not looking too hot in the Big Ten right now. Um, but you, as you may remember from last year, this is a defense that runs the 3-3-5. And Syracuse actually lost their defensive coordinator, Tony White, who has left for Nebraska. So who did Dino Babers decide to bring in uh, as his new defensive coordinator? Well, the guy who actually made the dang system in the first place, Rocky Long. Um, and uh, so many of the um, players who talked about this defense at the beginning of the season loved uh, talking about how the changes and the philosophies that Rocky Long brought into just how he taught and implements the 3-3-5. And you really saw that at least early on in the season. Now, because of the step up in competition, uh, because of the offense's lack of of consistency the defense has been out there really really long they're getting really really tired especially towards the end of the game and the step up in competition also means that some of the you know normal three-star athletes that Syracuse usually gets in their pool are getting just simply outclassed in and are just getting are being outclassed by more athletic talent right now right uh let's go front to back on defense uh I, I practice this offline we'll see if we can say it but uh Caleb Okuchuku is following up his breakout season of seven sacks with already having two on the season. He's joined by the likes of Terry Lockett, uh, Kevon Darton, and others on this defensive front. Uh, what does this defensive line do well? And, and is there an area that Florida State could potentially take advantages of, the, of this line? Well, yeah, because the, if you remember from last year, one one thing that kept on getting brought up a lot during the end of last year, and that still holds true this year, um, is that this is an undersized defensive line. Um, I'm going to bring, because I failed to prepare this, but I'm going to bring up on the Qs.com roster page, you mentioned Kevon Darton, who is the starting nose tackle for Syracuse. I'm going to read out his uh, his biometrics for the for the state fans. Your uh, Syracuse's starting defensive tackle is sitting at 5'11", 271. Um which is not what you expect your defensive tackle to necessarily be at. I, I would expect for probably most fans of a football team, let alone a Power 5 ACC program. And for Darton last year, it was even lower. Darton was still at that 5'11", but he was at 266 last year. And so this is a uh, an undersized defensive line um, just in general. And because Syracuse only runs with a three-man front, it's very easy for the defensive line to get overpowered. However, this is because of that, 
the defensive line is very, very tenacious and will stunt a lot. They will stunt a lot to try and get around that undersizedness. And you'll even see Darden use his undersized nature to essentially bully some centers off the ball because of, you know, where the center of gravity is. You can't really get a good feel on to uh, capturing Darton the right way. But if the defensive line doesn't show up in production-wise, that's fine because in the 3-3-5, the defensive line is just meant to soak up blockers. If the defensive line is taking blockers' attentions away, maybe they're getting double-teamed, that's what the defensive line wants to do. Yeah, you're making me think of uh, Nikita Whitlock back in the day at uh, at Wake Forest, but he was even smaller than that. But uh, to uh, for Florida State fans, for comparison, Fabian Lovett, not quite a nose, but would be the defensive tackle on the 4-3 uh, is 6-4-3-18 for Florida State. So that's, so, that's so a little, difference. Li- little bit of difference. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, I love a great linebacker name, and Syracuse has one. And Marlo Wax, it is just a fantastic linebacker name, and I'm really jealous of that. Uh, I remember, I remember seeing a lot of him last year. What's the defensive junior uh, linebacker bring to this team, and how have you felt this second line ha- has uh, performed so far for for Syracuse? So the linebacker sort of star of this team. I mentioned that the defensive line is supposed to soak up the pressure. That's because the linebackers are the guys who are going to bring the pressure. Um, and when a defend and when the linebackers are put in a position where they can pin their ears back and just go full head and tail at the opposing quarterback or in the and the opposing running back in the backfield, it's really, really hard for them to stop that. Um Wax showed that last year in spades as the main weak side linebacker. He's now moved over to middle linebacker with the graduation of Mikel Jones. And even though Wax now has to stay back a bit more, be more of a leader, and sometimes even be a spy, which obviously is going to be needed against Jordan Travis, um, he he will still come in with scary A-gap blitzes that it can be really, really hard to stop, especially if you know the, the offensive line gets too tunneled in on, oh, this is Kevin Darden. He's undersized. Let's just keep an eye on him and make sure he doesn't do anything. And then we'll just kind of be fine because all of a sudden here comes number two in a white Jersey. who's already right in front of Jordan Travis. That's what Michael, uh, excuse me. That's what Marlo Wax and the rest of this linebacking core is really, really good at. Um, they run really, really fast to the ball carrier and close down really, really fast. The area where they have a little bit of problem is uh, right now, what we've seen in the past couple of weeks, is contained. Um, and if Travis gets out of the pocket, there's opportunities for him to gain some decent yardage, um, which is obviously one of his bread and butter skills. Um, and if the, the Cade Klubnik did a really good job of when he escaped the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield and getting a receiver to come back to him to gain yards that probably shouldn't have been gained. And then he and Drake may had a couple of times, saw acres of space once they got out of the pocket and scrambled for first down on third and medium situations. And the linebackers have to be there on contain and haven't quite been there in the past couple of games. But this is a linebacker group that is very, very aggressive when it gets the chance to. And you're going to see a lot of sacks. If you get if they get the opportunity, you'll see sacks from Wax and mainly Leon Lowry as well, who has really, really blossomed in his, I believe right now it's his sophomore year, which is really, really impressive for a guy as young he is. 
Uh, finally, let's talk about the secondary where, where Coach Coach Babers probably has the biggest gripe in regards to the NIL. Uh, the Orange saw quite a bit of off-season transition. Garrett Williams is in the NFL. Deuce Chestnut is over at LSU. Uh, Jihad Carter is at Ohio State. How has Syracuse handled this massive turnover? First off, I mean, again, in the first four games, great. It was all fine. <laughs> Then Syracuse found itself against the athletic competition that is Clemson's five-star wide receivers and UNC having the potential projected number two pick in the draft. It didn't go too well in those last two games. And it just showed that Syracuse still has a problem with basically just athleticism in the in the um in the secondary. Right now, the really own two mainstays that you could probably think of. Uh, as uh, guys who are probably secure in their spot right now are uh, Isaiah Johnson, the number one corner receiver who you'll probably expect he'll get the Keon Coleman assignment. Um, he's a he's a transfer from Dartmouth who's in his second year with Syracuse um, who took over after Garrett Williams went down with injury last year and has performed very, very well. And the other one is safety Elijah Clark, who is a, in his second year after transferring from Rutgers. Um, and he is a very, very aggressive uh, tackler and will close down ball carriers with significant speed. However, the other positions are going to be really, really tough in order in terms of seeing who is going to stay on the field, especially because Syracuse's uh, safeties and secondary in general plays a lot of zone coverage to try and mitigate some of the athletic uh, downsides that the natural unit has. So because of that, there's going to be a lot of open spaces and soft zone spaces for the receivers to settle into. And it'll make a death by a thousand cut strategy. Very, very enticing rather than a let's get 50 yards on one single play strategy. Um, And that's how Syracuse basically lost its last couple of games, which was death by a thousand cuts. And that one 40 yard plus play to really take the win out of the sales. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot right now on who's going to play for the other positions. You expect Justin Barrett and Jason Simmons to be the other safeties, but it, it'll be very easy to see transfers. Miles Farmer and Jaden Gould step in and get some significant playing time. The other quarterback position is a, a toss-up right now. Jeremiah Wilson started the first five games, but now transfer corner Jaden Bellamy started the last game against UNC. So who really knows right now with the Syracuse secondary? Right now, it's just a hope that you survive, and hopefully the transitions of the last couple of weeks have been because of the step-up for competition and not a worrying trend for the last half of the season. Right, That makes sense. Um, all right, uh, Christian, give me your thoughts on how Saturday plays out. This is not going to be pretty. I don't think this is going to be a pretty. Last year, it was 38-3. I think it's 41-10 Florida State. This is, I do not think that Syracuse has much of a chance in this game right now. Schrader's been too inconsistent. The line's been too banged up. And the secondary right now is far too easy to expose. And when Travis is on his game, he'll be able to take advantage of Syracuse in a multitude of ways, whether he wants to throw or pass and then throw on a fact that Trey Benson had 200 yards last year. He, he, he'll be very close to getting that again this year because Syracuse is run defense is stronger in some areas, but weaker in others than was last year. So I expect another big game from him and just add that all up together. It's not looking good for Syracuse. 
Well, Christian, I really appreciate you jumping on with us today uh, and taking some time out. But before I let you go, I like to kind of do a choose your own adventure question. So I'll give you three subjects. You tell me where you want the question from. So I'll go to some of my old faithfuls here. Uh, Professional wrestling, uh, TV streaming, or just college football roster building in general. Let's go college football roster building in general. All right. It's been a popular question. Uh, So if you had the lay of the land, it's like an expansion team in college football. You've got the first pick. There is nobody protected. You can have football right now to lead your team on the field who would it be and at what position it starts and ends with the quarterback it has to start and to and end with the quarterback and we're going to play this we're going to play uh, it sounds like a cop-out but we're going to play this like the nfl it's going to be caleb williams or drake may it's the easy easy answer because I mean, you see it with Syracuse right now. The quarterback plays inconsistent. You can't really do much else. And so right now, it's got to be Caleb Williams. Yeah. Like if 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 you've got an opportunity to build a program around Caleb Williams like US, USC has done, you do that. Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams has been the popular answer so far, yeah. for sure. I had one guy mention potentially Travis Hunter because you get somebody that can play in both on both sides of the ball. But uh, yeah, I... I you know, I thought somebody at this point would maybe go with a stud left tackle, but I don't know if there's any studs out there that really eclipse what Caleb Williams is doing on the field. So great answer, Christian. Uh, Christian, before we get out of here, let everybody know where they can find you all and your work and what's going over. What is going on over there at noons? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever the hell the platform <laughs> is named now um, at CT Deguz. That's at C-T-D-E-G-U-Z on Twitter slash X slash the Musk first. Um, you can also follow Noons Magician at Noons Magician on Twitter as well. You can also follow the podcast that we do at Disloyal underscore Idiots. If you don't understand that reference, another broadcast reference when Jim Beheim called Andy Katz a Disloyal Idiot. So we, we're we all about the broadcast references at Syracuse because that's kind of the program we are. Of course, go Newhouse. Uh, but you can also follow along on the site at noonsmagician.com for all of the Syracuse information that you want to see and maybe enjoy a little bit of schadenfreude of us talking about Syracuse's demise heading into Saturday. <laughs> well, Christian, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, we're excited to see what happens on Saturday. Hope everybody comes out healthy. But uh uh, hopefully uh, it's going to be a fun one. Noon, uh, I think it's on ABC. If it I'm is. Right. A- it is ABC. Yeah. Bob Wachusen has this call. This is the Jets radio play-by-play guy. Yeah, he. Uh, this is the go. The go from watching the Jets offense to the Syracuse offense is going to not feel that much different. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Zach Wilson led Jets coming out on Saturday. So. Uh, Christian, again, thanks so much. Uh, thank you for all of our listeners for jumping on. This has been the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. Uh, I'm Tim Allenball, and let's keep climbing.